Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shore Sports Network podcast, talking Shore Conference football. Bob Batters joined, as always, by Scott Stump. Another exciting week, uh, football at the Jersey Shore in week three. So we've got a bunch to talk about, A uh, an episode chocked full of interesting games. And uh, let's not waste any time. I mean, if you follow Shore Conference football, you know what the big game was last week. Uh, I'm sure everyone even knows the score, knows the results. So we're not really breaking any news here, but that was then number four, Donovan Catholic with arguably its biggest home game in program history. One of the biggest games in program history, no doubt. Uh, and they take a 21-7 victory over number one, Toms of North. They snapped the Mariners' 17-game winning streak. And they did it in a fashion that, you know, most of us probably thought was pretty unlikely. And that's with defense completely shutting down one of the most fearsome offenses in the entire state. I was there and uh, got an up-close view of it. Scott, I know you were following along out at a wedding, uh, but, you know, the takeaway from that, certainly from mine, was an amazing defensive performance by the Griffins. Winning the game isn't a shock. The way they did it to me, you know, that was that was definitely surprising. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that during their 17-game winning streak was averaging 44 points a game. So to hold them to seven points – and, and do that, you know, the seven points were in the first half. So you shut them out for most of the game. It's funny, the wedding I was at actually had some football coaches at it from other places <laughs> around the shore. And they were like, what? When they heard that score. Um, you can't escape it no matter where you go. Yeah. But Dan Curcion, the head coach of Donovan Catholic, this to me is up there among his masterpieces. I mean, he to me, is one of the underrated coaches of his generation in the shore. He's one of the best coaches of his generation. I mean, he built championship units as a defensive coordinator at Tom's River North. He built Wall into a state champion that also had shut down defenses. But this one, of all of them, is just incredible. Because, I mean, how many times have we been going on on this show? Well, how's anyone going to stop Tom's River North? They're like, I don't know how anyone's going to do that. I mean, certainly he probably studied some of that Millville tape. I mean, they held him to 14 points in the first game of the season, but clearly to me, the fact that they had a front seven that could stand up to North physically, you know, they weren't getting pushed off the ball at all um, was huge to, to, into, into pulling this off. And to me, I mean, you were there. I feel like Zaire day now has to be right in near the front of the conversation for defensive player of the year in the shore after doing that against a team like that. He was excellent, and it really was a tremendous team defensive game. I mean, not one player had overwhelming stats. You know, Day, for example, I think his final stat line was six tackles, one sack, forced fumble. Like, it doesn't – we see some insane statistical performances, and that's not one that jumps out off the page, but it was the way he did it. You know, he's unblockable, and, you know, he might not be registering any kind of stat on a play like that, but he's forcing the run someplace else. Somebody else is making the tackle. I mean – Tom's North had 163 yards of offense. Like that's one quarter for them. Most games, right? It's wild. It's the lowest points they've scored since 2021. Uh, and they just, they couldn't get anything going at all. And Micah Ford, I think ran for 104 yards, you know, around like 15 carries, which is not even a lot of carries for them. Was, that was another part of it. Donovan Catholic, the game plan was executed to near perfection. The only one minor blemish was a turnover a fumble in the fourth quarter that didn't end up hurting them at all. But you're talking about they intercepted forward, forward twice. They recovered a fumble late in the game. You know, they controlled the ball. You know, they ran the ball well. Very, 
just effective enough to hold on to the ball and sustain some drives before they hit some home runs, you know, late in the game. And, and then just played awesome defense, shut Tom's over North's running game down. I mean, it was everything you could ask for from a defense. Keep that offense off the field, gain some first downs, grind out some clock, and then kind of kind of wear them out and take advantage of some opportunities. It was just a it, it was a weird game because there was a lot of penalties, 18 combined. So it killed the flow of the game. I mean, all of us were there. You know, all the reporters in the area were there. Joe Dallas, you know, from NJ.com, Steve Edelson from the Asbury Park Press. So it's, you know, Rich Crane Patterson, from Jersey Sports. I'm like, it was that kind of game. Everyone's there. We're all talking to each other like, man, this game is not actually pretty terrible to watch for right. most of it just because there was, there was no flow. But then when, you, you know, you stopped and looked at it for a second, you're like, wow, like Donovan, like the way they're doing this right now is sustainable. It wasn't like, oh, they're hanging on, but the dam's about to break it. It got to a point where you're like, man, how like, how is North going to win this game? Uh, and you know, obviously Donovan ended up pulling out. So just a an absolutely tremendous performance defensively, uh, and really just in the trenches, both sides of the ball because they ran the ball effectively the whole game. Yeah, I mean, Najee Calhoun broke off that last 59 yard run to seal the win, and he ended up having a real nice game. I thought, you know, on the North side of things. They've had a lot of games where they've had a lot of penalties and they've had some sloppy turnovers and it's never come back to haunt them. There's definitely a few plays reading your story and seeing some of the highlights they could, you know, want back in this game, not to detract at all. I mean, what Donovan Catholic did was amazing. You know, that they did what no one probably in the state thought they could be, could be done. But Kirstie owns that kind of guy though, too, where, he talks like you're like, and his team's great, and they're good. They got so many, and he kind of gives you that side eye, like, you sure about that? You sure <laughs> that you know that team can't be stopped? Or you sure that you know? I, I kind of like our chances in this thing, you know. And and he was right. Um, they had the personnel to do it, and like you said, they executed. And now, with that, we have to get to the big conversation: who is the number one team in the Shore Conference now that Tom's River North has been dethroned? Do you take Donovan Catholic? jump them up to number one because they beat number one or do you move number two RBC to number one who's unbeaten it's an interesting decision to make uh for me it's got to make that call uh so make sure you go to shoresportsnetwork.com on Tuesday the uh updated shore 16 will be up but yeah for for RBC you know you're we'll get to them later on they kind of been like forgotten team they lost to Bergen Catholic had a bye, beat Colts then handily, you know, had a had a dominant win over Wall 46-0. And, you know, they they started season number two. They haven't done anything that would, you know, make them relinquish that spot. And then Donovan, you know, which started the year number four, is now three and oh, has the best win, you know, in the shore this season, and also has a really good non-conference win over St. Augustine. You know, so they've they've beaten two conference, you know, teams that are ranked Long Branch as well in there. So from resume perspective, Donovan Catholic, you know, has them beat. So you can, right. I, I you can think make arguments you, for both. Yeah. The way I look at it almost is if you put RBC one, I think what you're saying, not you personally, I'm saying anyone doing these rankings is that when Donovan plays RBC, I would pick RBC. That's essentially what you're saying. If you move RBC to the number one spot. Um, I'm kind of of the opinion that if you took down Goliath, like you beat them and you are the one beaten. Yeah. You're Goliath now. Like you get to be the number one spot because you have the best win on the board. Yes. The other team hasn't had that chance yet, but thanks to the beauty of the American division, 
this all gets hashed out on the field. You know, like it's not like RBC and Donovan aren't going to play. Yeah, right. Maybe you'll get a nice try championship or something like that. I thought that. I thought that a couple of years ago and I'm sitting there in December going, who the heck is number one? Great. So let's hope that doesn't happen again. But you're right. It's at least it's set up for it all to be settled on the field. Right. And I think, yeah, but that's the thing. I think if you if you move RBC to one and you're doing rankings, that that's almost like saying, okay, if they played Donovan tomorrow, I think they would win. And, you know, if you move Donovan, you think, yeah, they're better than RBC and they have the best win. So it's a real argument. There's no like obvious answer. I'm sure Donovan feels like, hey, we just beat this team that was top five in the state by two touchdowns and shut them down. What more do we have to do to be number one? And RBC saying well, we didn't do anything wrong other than losing to a nationally ranked Bergen Catholic team. Um, but again, you, you know, whoever it is, whoever's number two will be irked by that until they play on the on the field. And if they get the upset, it'll be you never believed in us. You know, we should have been number one the whole time. But, you know, all that. That's the fun of high school football, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, to me, though, that that was just. That's really an impressive win because like you, like you said, and like you wrote in your story, I, if they were going to do it, people thought it was going to be like you beat them 30 to 28, yeah. not 21 to seven. Mm-hmm. Where you slowed them down like just enough. And one turnover was a difference. And the last thing with the ball wins, yeah, something like that. Not like we're just going to completely shut you down and just outlast you and win a nail bite. Like, I don't yeah. think that other than, other than Dan who's like, Hey, like I'm a defensive guy. Like maybe I didn't say like, yeah, we're going to hold them to seven points, but yeah, he's like, I always think we're going to shut teams down. Well, and North, I think, realizes now how much slimmer the margin for error is in the American yeah. division. When you're playing last year in the, the another division, you you know, when you drop, I mean, they basically, you could argue they dropped two touchdown passes in this game. Yeah, you know, like, essentially, yeah. Yeah, so that, like, you can get away with that mistake maybe against some other teams, but these teams, you can't have a ton of penalties. You can't make these kind of mistakes. I mean, we even talked about it in the preseason. You know, we don't, you know, it may not be that anyone makes it through the American division unscathed, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of, maybe this is the first evidence of that. Uh, And I think the other big development you need to talk about, we haven't really had an update, but Michael Ford left that game with an injury at the end. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the, the cloud hanging over all of this. Um, And you hope it's not serious. So Ford, there was a play, you know, late in the fourth quarter, um, you know, Donovan had just scored on the prior possession of 14-7. Tom's North is driving forward a couple big runs, kind of had that look of like, all right, like now he's mad. Like maybe he's going to put the team on his back. Had a wide open receiver down the sideline. It was going to be a touchdown. The pass, you know, was dropped, unfortunately, for the Mariners. Next play, Ford stopped for no gain, and he's he, he's not getting up. You know, they're working on his leg. Um it was kind of hard to see from the opposite field exactly what he's doing. And, and I'm not gonna, we're not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to, you know, make any kind of predictions of, of what was going on. And he limped off, didn't look good. You know, their head coach, Dave Oserwitz, you know, his only update was we don't really have an update right now. Uh, but he said, you know, hey, Michael wanted to go back in, but, you know, we told him no. Sure, every kid wants to go back in. I don't know how much you can read into that. But, yeah, that's a – I mean, if he's out, God forbid, if he's out for the season, if A, that would be terrible for him personally, but also for that team. I mean, it's the reigning state player of the year. You don't just replace a guy like that. And also just for about talented. And also just for sure conference football. Yeah. You know, yes. as far as like one of the most exciting players out there. But yeah, I mean, who knows if they'll get into that calculation of, you know what, maybe the American division's not going to happen for us. And if we have to keep him out for a couple games, yeah. 
let's just try to win group five again, get mm-hmm. into the hole, you know? Exactly. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit over the weekend, just you and I texting. Like, let's say Tom's North ends up with two or three losses, but they go in, you know, 11 and three and like win a group five title. It's still an, an incredible season. And I think that those, the other losses in the division will not take away from that. You don't get the shore bragging rights, but you still get a big fat championship. You'll ring. still so be like, having a reunion in 20 years. Yeah, if it, so it, championship. if it's something where it's minor in the sense where like you got it, he's going to need a week or two or three or a month or whatever. Like I'm sure that's a trade. They would definitely be willing to make. If he's going to be there in the post. And honestly, they have so much talent still there. It's not mm-hmm. like they'll go off a cliff. Like they could still go out and win games that it won't be. It'll be obviously more difficult against certain teams. But I mean, they have enough certainly left, you know, like to to still grind out some games against good teams. And and I know there there actually were other football games played last week. In there the were. And one game that stood out to me as far as this was the night before the Tom's River North Donovan game, as far as just the score being an eye opener, Colts neck coming roaring back into the picture after an O and two start 35, nothing over Manalvin. That was a, and again, not the result Colts neck winning the game. Isn't surprising, but a dominating Manalvin, a Manalvin team that played playing really well this season. It's only loss was a controversial one, you know, coming into this game could be undefeated. And Colts net comes back from its by 35 zip. And, you know, I'm at a game on Thursday night, a different game. And I'm you know, checking Twitter, checking results. I'm like, wait a second. What? It's 28, nothing Colts neck. Just a huge win. You know, what a way to pick up your first win of the season. Chris Scully, 195 yards rushing three touchdowns. Uh, Ethan Mathia returned to fumble for a touchdown. John Sherrod had a really good game on defense, 10 tackles in the backfield, a bunch also had a touchdown run. So yeah, Colts neck off the canvas in a big way, you know, oh and two, but you looked at it and, and that's why I didn't never drop right. it. It was so hard there. to evaluate them because yes. the two teams they lost to. Yeah. They lost the point borough, you know, which is ranked number six in week, you know, they lost them week zero and then red bank Catholic number two in the shore. So how much can you, how much knowledge can you gain from those two games as far as like where Colts should be ranked and if they're good or not. So then they come back with another top 10 team and now they get a huge win. So that's a big one for the Cougars. Again, they, they pick up that first win at one and two. They're still in good shape. And uh, you know, they're they're right in the mix in the division, too. You know, they do have the loss to Point Burrow, so Point Burrow is still the front runner, but a huge win, no doubt, for the Cougars and uh and head coach Matt Ahern. And it's like we were talking last week when we were like, there's still a threat. I was like, you know, Chris Gully could just, you know, put 250 on you and win, but I was, so I was only 55 yards short. <laughs> yeah, he, he that, put the profit. Yeah, he puts up 195. Um, but really, the revelation to me was their defense because Burrow and RBC had both scored more than 30 points on them mm-hmm. in their first couple of games. So to go out and get a shutout against them, an Alpha team that had just put up 33 the week before and Ryan Doherty, their quarterback, had been playing well and their running game had been solid. So to go out there and just completely bottle them up, that's a huge confidence booster for Colts Neck and shows that, you know, they're going to be a factor the rest of the season. Like you said, Burrow's got a leg up in that division, but, um, you know, they'll, they'll be right there among the top teams. And speaking of top running backs, a guy that week after week is getting better and better, and he's only a sophomore, Jonah Glenn did it again for Jackson's win over Middletown North. Yeah, Jonah Glenn has really hit the ground running in his sophomore year. You know, it's 
I always find it weird to say, you know, he's a sophomore. It's a breakout season. Well, like, yes, but it's also his first season. So it's like, hey, this is just who I am. Like, hello, short conference. You know, he going back to what I've said previous times, you know, I saw them in their first game of the year that win over Manalapan. And their coach, Vin Mistretta, was, you know, very complimentary of Jonah Glenn and said, look, you know, we put him in that Millville playoff game last year and he showed us something. And, you know, he, he can be a special player and he's, you know, every week he's getting more yards, you know, ran for a buck 60 in the first game over 200, uh, the game after, and then in the 34, 17 win over uh number 11, Middletown North 225 yards rushing at a TD. So they're feeding him the rock and, uh, and he's doing the job. So yeah, you got to save uh, the words career high on copy paste, like for yes. the scoreboard every week so that you could just keep inserting that for Glenn every week. Basically he's just, he keeps got, I mean, eventually he, Rushing for 800 yards. The Derrick Henry stats. Yeah. The Derrick Henry high school stats. That's a deep dive. We might have to do one day at the end of these podcasts. Derrick Henry's high school stats. Look it up if you want just some pure comedy of like the the insane numbers. But, you know, with Glenn, yeah, Jackson has typically had a star tailback leading the way in their offense. And, you know, now they certainly have one. And he's only a sophomore. So, yeah, the, the present and the future are very bright for Jackson in that regard. Elsewhere, they're, they're really outstanding senior, Albert D'Alessandro. You know, one of the better two-way players in the short, three rushing touchdowns. The defense, again, you know, strong against the dangerous Middletown North offense. Ethan Kalinowskis, 12 tackles, you know, a sack, four tackles for a loss. Sean Hubbard, two sacks. So Jackson playing really well, undefeated. And right now it's them and Marlboro atop of that Freedom Division, which, it, you know, I think it – Right now, outside of the American division, it's probably the most interesting division to me because, you know, Middletown North, solid team, uh, you know, behind now after the loss to Jackson. But you have Jackson 3-0, Marlboro playing well. So I think that's going to be a fun one to see come down the stretch because while we the top teams have been established, it also wouldn't surprise me if some crazy results that throw everything into a tailspin, you know, as the, the weeks go on here. Yeah, and – I'm looking forward to that matchup, the Marlboro-Jackson game, in the sense that Marlboro so far has had pretty much a shutdown defense. Nobody scored more than a touchdown on them, and they're going to be going up against Jonah Glenn, who nobody has been able to solve the whole year. Um, and Marlboro's latest one, uh, 17-7 over Howell, 3-0 for the third year in a row. It's the new Marlboro. It's the Break new up Marlboro. the Mustangs. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole new world there. And Matt Cassidy finally had his real, like, breakout offensive game this year. 185 yards rushing and a touchdown. But really, it was their senior linebacker that of that stat jumped. I saw your divisional players of the week, and it was like, whoa, Marlboro. Yeah, you know, putting together a scoreboard. And, again, it's high school football, so, like, not everything is – we don't get the full stats package, like college football and stuff like that. So, you know, there's some numbers trickling in. I saw Cassidy had a big game. And then there goes Jason Nagato. You know, hey, by the way, Mike Consolazio had six sacks against Howell. I was like, whoa, like that's some Lawrence Taylor. That's what to say. Or Micah Parsons for the Scar Jets fans among us. Uh, But, yeah, I had to do it, right? But for real, though, six sacks is insane. I don't care who you're playing against. Ten total tackles, living in the backfield. And this is against a Howell team that, you know, was 0-2 coming in, but had lost two games by combined three points. And could easily be a ranked team. So it wasn't wasn't like they were going up against a team that they were expected to blow out. I think we expected a, a pretty close game, and it was. 
again, Marlboro's defense. They had five yards of offense and zero first downs in the first half. They've only had 14 points in three games. You know, they're running the ball well now with Cassidy. Their senior quarterback, Braden Klein, is doing exactly what they need him to do, making plays, running the offense, not turning the ball over, and the defense is playing lights out. So it's a pretty good recipe for success. And uh, 3-0, again. For yeah, and now the question is, you know, they've been at this juncture a couple times here the last couple seasons, you know, 3-0, and and then things last year it was because of injuries, really, that kind yeah. of like they had a rough patch. Um and now you wonder, can they keep this going? You know, can they get it to four and zero, five and zero? Like, can they they break through where we were having winning seasons? We're a playoff team, and now we're ready to challenge for championships. Um, so I think that's what they're on the cusp of now. Um, and it also helps them, to be honest, in a lot of these low lower scoring, slug festy type games where they rely on their defense. Luke Rubin, their kicker, is good. You know, like he hit a 39 yarder in this game. And that's the kind of guy when you're coming down to like a razor thin margin in a tight game for a division title could be the difference. Absolutely. You know, special teams play. We've seen it over the years. Like it makes a huge difference, especially if you can have a kicker that, you know, when you need points, you can feel comfortable from 30 yards out. It doesn't seem, again, people get desensitized to some of that stuff because they're used to seeing NFL kickers and college. Oh, 45 yards. Like that's a chip shot. Like, not at the high school level, like it's a different ball game. So when you have somebody you can consistently trot out there, you're from 30 plus, like that's that's a luxury not a lot of teams have. They have that with Ruben. So like you said, that's a big one. They're just playing really solid in all phases. I think it goes back to last season, the success they had, and being able to battle through those injuries, still make the playoffs. Like they had to win a couple pretty big games down the stretch last season just to get into the playoffs. And then they beat Washington Township without Cassie for most of the game. So I think a lot of guys had to step up there. And I think they learned something about, you know, the makeup of that team. And so far they've carried it into this season. Yeah. And talking about strong defensive efforts, the game you were at Thursday night, Shore Regional, Group 1 school coming out and shutting out Ocean 17 nothing. And to me, they have – Probably the Shores, I don't know. I don't even know if he's really underrated at this point because we know who he is. I mean, he's committed to Delaware. But, you know, Jackson Whitaker on both sides, I mean, he's had a nice year actually as a tight end too. Mm -hmm. But we know him as one of the top defensive linemen in the Shore. But he obviously looked great in that game, right? I mean, they really seemed to control that that the whole night. Yeah, he he was really good. He was everywhere. You know, 12 tackles, one sack. I had him for three tackles for loss, caught a touchdown pass. He made this crazy catch that went for like a seven yard gain and the boxer wasn't anything, but it like deflected off an ocean kid's helmet. And like, he made this, you know, really good reactionary catch. Just, you know, he's a really good football player for them on both sides of the ball. The defensive side is where he gets most of the attention. He's been starting since he was a sophomore. His father, Mike has been a long time coach at shore regional right. with their longtime head coach, Mark Costantino. So, you know, he's I talked to him every game. He's looking forward to play high school, you know, since he was little and his dad was coaching. And you know, now he's a senior and you know, he's he's turned in some dominant games and they they look good, sure. It looked like one of those typical short teams where you know maybe they're not gonna blow you away with like star players um on the offensive side, but they have a good stable of backs and, and their quarterback, Josh Moeller. They ran the ball really well, uh, and they played awesome defense, and that's really the formula for them. They the the biggest message from them from the whole team was like, 
Yeah, like that week zero loss to Manusquan like really angered them. They were like, we shouldn't have lost that game. We gave it up. Like we're not the same team. Like they played with like a big time chip on the shoulder. I mean, that game was a month ago already. And they were like still a little like, like angry about that. Well, yeah, I think we talked about that though, that 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 game could have had really big division title implications. I mean, granted, you know, Manusquan could still get picked off by someone else and put sure right near the front of the conversation again. But I think you're right. I could see how that sticks with them because it was, and it mask one beat them inside the final minute. Yeah. So it was like, we were right there. And if we have that game, we're probably in the driver's seat right now in this division, but looking at it on paper, you know, that division is not some, it's not like some foregone conclusion that Madison was just going to go out and like, Oh no. Last everyone else in that division. Like there's a lot of games that are going to be really tight down the stretch. For sure. You know, you have Holmdale in there, which is undefeated right now, playing really well. So that sure is in a spot where they can certainly still win that division. And, you know, if they keep playing that the formula that they had against Ocean. If they can execute that formula at a high level the rest of the year, not only will they be contenders to that division title, they'll be contenders for a sectional championship, you know, in group one, wherever they get a line. So, yeah, a really good, a really good game for sure. You know, against an ocean team that was undefeated, you know, and was playing pretty good ball. So, and that's a, again, it's not like a rivalry, but it, I asked Jackson Whitaker about that. You know, it's those teams like don't really play each other in football. They do in other sports though. So, multi-sport kids have a little bit of rivalry, you know, built in with that. But all the kids know each other because it's so close. So, there was a little bit of bragging rights, you know, in that regard. Well, and I also think anytime it's a Group One school, a small school, they want to mm-hmm. show like when they can really get the upper hand on a bigger Group Three type school, that means a lot to them because I think mm-hmm. they, it gets annoying sometimes when you're a small. Oh, you only beat other schools that are tiny schools that are your size. You know, it's not that great. It's not that impressive. So when you go up a couple group sizes and really take it to somebody. Um, that's some great bragging rights. And it's funny. We talk about sure feeling like we got to get right back in this division thing. We got to get right back in this mix. When I was following the score of that uh, Matawan brick Memorial game, mm-hmm. it felt like Matawan was in that mode of like, our back is against the wall. Like this is the last stand. We have to try to find a way to win this game. And they were going back and forth, but Connor Dietz and company too much in the end, but that was quietly one of the better games. I feel like as far as just excitement, Guys making plays, Brick Memorial 34, Matawan 24. That was a game that, you know, on paper, it looked like, oh, well, Memorial, big favorite, ranked team, undefeated, Matawan winless. But, you know, we, I think we talked about that. That wasn't going to be an easy game for Brick Memorial. Matawan, while winless, extremely talented. You knew they are going to play like a desperate team with their backs against the wall, and they did. You know, they, they were up for a little bit in that game. It, it was back and forth most of the way. But again, Brick Memorial just found a way. You know, Connor Dietz, 199 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Um, you know, he put them ahead late. And then Matawan's driving, and they get an interception from an, an unlikely hero, defensive lineman Joe Cunningham with the game-clinching interception. Uh, that Brick Memorial was up by three at that point. Uh, they were deep in Matawan territory after that, so they just ended up punching one in to make it 34-24. So, for Brick Moral, that's a good win because that's a that's the kind of game they've lost in recent years. They've kind of let it slip away. Uh, they found a way to win. Not the prettiest game, but look, you, you don't apologize for wins. They'll take them and they'll figure that out. And for Madawan, 0-4 now, extremely surprising. That's probably the most surprising 
you know, record in the shore so far. They played some great teams, you know, Rumson, Brickmore, Rumson, a great team, Brickmore, a ranked team, Cedar Creek playing really well in South Jersey, you know, Freel Township also playing well, a ranked team, but still, I don't think anyone thought that they would be winless through four games. Right. And unfortunately for them, they have three more games right now against three other teams that have not lost. Yeah. Rick, Pinelands, and Point Borough are all mm-hmm. undefeated, and they're still left among the five games um, left on that schedule. So not easy. But as for the Mustangs, 4-0 and since barely after the Bob Batters era at Brick Memorial, <laughs> 2003, 20 years. The Garrett Graham era. Yeah. Freddie, 2003 was a crazy season. That was the old. It's funny. Somebody, there was a reader that emailed us asking about, hey, when was the last time Brick and Brick Memorial both 4-0? and Let me check. I looked it up. 2003, which was the year Rick had the number one offense and defense in the short. Manalpin stuns them in the playoffs behind, wasn't that Eddie Guerrero's son? Yes. Right? Eddie going off in that game, and then Brickmore ends up beating Madawan in the final after losing to Brick on Thanksgiving. So a lot of layers to that one. But yeah, that was the first state championship in Brick Memorial history that mm-hmm. year under Coach Fred Sprengel, who was – back there with those guys to yeah. be honored before their Barnegat game. So they're hoping a lot of parallels to that 2003 season uh, for the Mustangs this year. Yeah, that's uh, obviously they're, they're hoping that to be the case. They're four and out right now. They're playing good football. They have a huge one coming up on, on Friday night, uh, their homecoming game, which means halftime will take approximately six hours. Uh, but, you know, they host Freel Township, you know, Freel Township, Again, playing well, so that's a uh, it's a huge division game uh, in that independence. I believe it's the independence division. Still, I'm pretty good with all the divisions, but I think sometimes I know half the time I'm like, uh, is that uh, a South? Yeah, it's like yeah, a, it a, is the independence division. It hasn't been that like for years, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that. Uh, as far as looking at another team that's been explosive offensively, like Memorial. Nas Treadwell doing his thing again. 54-26 win by Keyport over Jackson Liberty. 174 and four TDs on the ground on 12 carries. Plus the touchdown. It's funny. I haven't, you know, gone through and actually tried to sort it out. But I swear, if you're tr- the Shore Conference team that has more like 70-yard touchdowns plus than any other team, it has to be Keyport. Yeah. If you better wrap up. On those guys, like tackling drills, like I know we're not doing a ton of those in season, but you might want to brush up on them before you play the Red Raiders because they, yeah, they hit you from all angles. And it's not just Treadwell. That's the scary part. You know, Andre Matthews takes the opening kickoff 80 yards down to the five-yard line. They ended up punching it in. He does the same thing to start the second half. uh, Or, excuse me, he does the same thing later in the game. You know, returns it all the way this time for a touchdown. He caught a touchdown pass. And they also have Makai Henderson, you know, playing running back, a wide receiver. And he had a 95-yard yard run earlier in the yeah, season. Yeah, it, it's like if anywhere keyboard has the ball, like you need to you need to defend the whole field. So they're not only are they winning, they're three and one. Uh, that's a fun team to watch. You know, you go out and you watch keyboard, like you're gonna see some some highlight real plays, and they're making it happen. And it's a you know, 54-26 over Jackson Liberty. It was never really in doubt. They were a big you know, from about the late in the first quarter on sets up a huge showdown with Manchester Two undefeated, or excuse me, Manchester undefeated uh, four and for the first time ever, 
you know, and they'll go into a key port uh, for that game on Jackson street on Saturday. So a really big one in the Patriot division. That should be fun because like, you know, usually those divisions aren't getting a ton of attention, uh, but that that's a, that's a really important game. Yeah. I kind of like when those games are on Saturday because there's so few games on Saturday that maybe they get a lot more coverage and attention than they normally would. Um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be, cause you want to talk about playmakers, you know, you got between Treadwell and love, you got guys that probably have a combined like 20 touchdowns already this year. Um, you know, home run hitters on both sides of that game where it's just going to be, I could totally see that being the like tennis match whiplash, yes. like 80 yard run by like Treadwell, like love 79 yard run, like Matthews 68 yard, you know, catch. Like, I think that game could be a lot of fun. Or it might be like 10-6, like our predictions. Have yeah, you're right. Was, we went on and on about Brick Memorial and I think Middletown North Middletown early North. season. Get all the light bulbs out. And it was like 21 to like 17, you know, like some really good game. But yeah, not the high scored fest we saw. It's that game might be one of those, like whoever wins, like both defensive coordinators are just like, oh, like I don't even want to see the tape. Right. I, I remember I go back when when Freehold Burrow had a Shante Worthy. He was obviously putting up, you know numbers that no one had ever seen and doing on a weekly basis. And they played a, a Howell team that had Eddie Morales, who's now starting defensive back at Monmouth, Nassim Brantley, who's now is at Rutgers, uh, you know, had a really good career, was at Holy Cross for a while. You know, the two of the best players in the shore, Howell's a ranked team, and Howell ended up winning that game, you know, something like, you know, 45, 41 or something like that. And I remember Howell's coach at the time, Luke Sincorn, like Howell had won the game, mind you. It was a big division game, top 10 game. And I'm walking across the field, he just looks at me and goes, how bad was it? And I told him the total yardage, and he was just, oh, like head down. Like, even though we won, just the defensive coach and him just couldn't stomach it. That might be one of those games. It's one of those games where it takes longer to compile the box score than to actually <laughs> write the story. You're like agate only, but the agate takes you three hours to like everyone touch the ball on the team. You're like, oh, my gosh. Um, I would say the bounce back game of the week uh, with a team that had been struggling because of Ernest Reeby not being able to play quarterback, Long Branch comes out with a nice 33 to 16 win over Rowden in which they jumped all over him. I think it was like 27, nothing at halftime or something like that. Um, and I think the big story of this was really the debut of Davon Kraft, the um, Neptune transfer. Yeah. You know, Kraft, you know, a really good player for the Scarlet Knights now over at Long Branch and with Reeby out, that's big because they have Zaheem Brown, their senior running back, but now with Kraft you know, eligible and obviously making his season debut against Raritan, and you got two big-time backs. Uh, I don't know when Reeve's going to be back. I mean, you, you, when you saw him, he had a cast on his throwing hand, so it doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon. So that's a huge boost, you know, to get, you know, Kraft in there and have that two-headed monster in the backfield and to see if he can make some plays in the passing game because, you know, that again, that's – they're two and two now and plenty of season in front of them to go on a little bit of a run here. Well, and especially you just want to be fortified with those guys. Cause you got to play point borough this week. So like yeah. you need all offensive hands on deck uh, that you can, but don't forget this is the North or the long branch defense that shut down a high scoring Penn Salkin team last year. So yeah. in the playoffs, so they are capable if they can rise to that occasion, but it's one of those things. It's it's not going to be easy to be point borough in a low scoring game. The probability of that's kind of low. So if you can have more playmakers like Kraft out there, 
to make it happen. And it's, it's an interesting contrast that game because you have Burrow, like we've said before, yes, they run the triple option, but not as a grinded out three yards mm-hmm. in a cloud of dust team as a boom, you missed one tackle or you took, you went for a fake and like Matt Oliphant just ran like 75 yards for a touchdown. Um, whereas Long Branch to me is more of the like, we want to just be physical, smash you like four or five yards at a time, and then start breaking big runs in the fourth quarter when your defense is exhausted and we've been leaning on you the whole game. Um, yeah, I mean, a huge X factor is, you know, what will they be when Revy comes back and can play quarterback? Because yeah. now if you have three guys and a guy, you know, who's more like now, you know, you're throwing the ball kind of when you can here and there, but you're not mm-hmm. incorporating a ton of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, when he comes back, is this the kind of team that as they round into form for the postseason, is going to be really dangerous? It's very, uh, very much in the realm of possibility because we saw what they were able to do last season. And it's not completely the same team. You know, they, they graduated, you know, a handful of all shore level standouts last season. So, you know, just place those guys, but you know, we, the Piscataway result was encouraging and Reeve gets hurt. Plus, you know, they, they lost to Donovan Catholic and, you know, a, a, a good Manalpin team. So a lot, I think, to still learn about Long Branch. You know, can if they can stay afloat and just remain in the hunt and be a, be comfortably in the playoffs and then start to get healthy, yeah, that might be a team that also in the playoffs come around and we're like, hey, like, don't forget about Long Branch because they can make a run. Exactly. And then um, one other game to bring up. It was kind of an emotional night at St. John Vianney. Manasquan gets a 21 to 12 win to stay unbeaten. So that's big for them. But it's really Aaron Van Trees, who comes back, um, you know, had the spinal cord injury last year. So encouraging, so uplifting that he seems to be doing amazing in his rehabilitation work. Um, he told our own Matt Manley, you know, that the use of his hands has gotten way better. Uh, he uses a wheelchair still. Um, and he was on the sidelines as he was an honorary captain, but also as a coach, you know, had the headset on, they were getting his input and their coach, Jeff Papson said in our story, he practically was a coach, you know, mm-hmm. when he was a player. Um, but it was just so gratifying to see him out there. And I mean, his attitude through this whole thing has just been remarkable. I mean, to be that young and go through something like that and still get up every day with a positive attitude and just attack it as hard as you can with working to improve and, you know, get your strength and all that kind of stuff back after all that is just amazing. He's an impressive young man. No question. And Matt did a great job talking to him and, and Jeff Papson kind of getting the, the feel of what, you know, what that was like as far as him coming back and helping out and, you know, really how much they missed him in that kind of leadership coach on the field, you know, field role last season. That, you know, yeah, he's coming back and helping out now. Uh, and it's a nice thing for them to do for him, but it's not hollow. He actually is extremely helpful, a very intelligent football player. Um, and and Jeff mentioned a couple of times he pointed some things out. Um, and you know, his adjustments helped in that regard. From his recovery standpoint, it's just awesome to see that he's making that kind of progress. You know, I think everyone understands it's going to be, you know, it is a very long road ahead of him but the positive attitude that he has to to attack that head on and again the tangible progress talking about you know really gaining you know the fine motor skills like back in his hands um and you know starting to power some of those lower body muscles just through the rehab he's doing 
one of the big things that stuck out to me was, you know, at his lowest, you know, he was playing around 170 pounds and he got down to something around 115 pounds, which, you know, obviously from not being able to be active, you know, contribute to that. Now he's up around 150. To me, that was huge. Like that, that's, you know, an awesome thing to hear, you know, he's healthy in that regard and he's just working hard every day. So we, we root for him certainly. Um, and it's, you know, it will be great to check in on him here and there just to see the progress he's made and, and kind of highlight that. And, you know, we're rooting for Aaron every day. You know, I, I live kind of in that, that Manasquan area, you know, Southern Monmouth County, Northern Ocean County. And you see the AVT stickers on all the cars, everyone, you still see them on the, uh, you know, the lawn signs in the Manasquan area. So the support from the shore conference has been awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just an amazing, amazing guy. And I, I know he's, he's 19 now and he's sort of like taking that gap year before, like maybe he may go to college and things like that just to, um, you know, get everything stabilized and all of that. And, and, but yeah, he's, and he said, he spoke to Eric Legrand, you know, once again, Eric Legrand is just like the most incredible inspiration too, the former mm-hmm. Rutgers player who also had a spinal injury and has spoken with a lot of high school athletes and others who have gone through the similar situation, um, and they take a lot of just inspiration and hope from, you know, how he's been and the kind of person he's become. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we're just really rooting for Aaron and Hey, I mean, how awesome would that be if one day we're covering a short conference football game and he's just a coach on the sidelines, like a regular full-time coach, you know, maybe that's, his, yeah, maybe that's just his future. You know, he, you never know. I mean, he, they say his football IQ is like off the charts and they had him chiming in on, their huddle clips and all these other kind of things. So maybe that's what's in the future for him. We'll see. It was a feel good moment. And I hope there's many more to come for, for Aaron and the Van Trees family. The, uh, we got our little Liberty division roundup of, uh, of this podcast, because, you know, it's still, I think quietly a pretty wide open division. You know, you have Pinelands undefeated for the first time in at least 20 years. Uh, we got to check on the old records down in, in Southern Ocean County. But uh, Pinelands 28-12 over Central. Jamin Parkinson, you know, they feed the beast there. 32 carries, th- 228 yards, three TDs. That's like an Adrian Peterson game. Back Nothing will ever top. What was it? The Quezon Anderson. Oh, gosh. The old Ma- plus? 51 carries for uh, Manasquan. That was a great like, one. Early and then 2000s. A, f- a handful of years ago uh, when Rumson beat Somerville in a pretty epic sectional championship game. Alex Malgin right around. 50 carries for over 200 yards. I mean, those are 50 carries for a high school player. I mean, yeah, pretty incredible. I was like, this is Vic Caboo's philosophy in a nutshell. Like if I could just give it to the same great running back 51 (laughs) times, it was like he was living his dream that day. Just, just to beat wall on in a huge showdown on Thanksgiving. I'll never forget. I'm like, Kason Anderson must've went home and like laid in an ice bath for like four days where just getting like intravenous fluids. Didn't Chris Barnes have a pretty epic quote regarding that? Something of like uh, Coach Kaboo called Dyke Fist. He gave him the ball <laughs> so many times. Like some amazing quote. Uh, but yeah, that was the wedding I was actually at this week. Was Chris's daughter? I heard it. It all comes Katie full Barnes. circle. Yes. Um, <laughs> Chris, yeah, an assistant that, uh, at Red Bank Regional this yes. year with, with Shane Fallon. But yeah, that's uh, that's a, one of those legendary short conference stories. Like, but you know, that's John. Uh, that's Coach John Tierney, man. He was an offensive line lineman during his playing days. Yeah. And now he's the Pinelands head coach. You know, he'd love to just pound the ball like forty something times a game with one guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, big game by Parkinson and bragging rights at the dinner table. 
Tierney's son, Liam Hurley, yeah. is a mem- a player for Central. So um, Pinelands gets the win 3-0 and for, like you said, the first time in decades and one of the few times, if ever, like in the history of their program. Um, one of the most easily probably the quietest three and one team in the shore conference Monmouth regional, which bounced back after getting shut out by Tom's river South, they come out with a 20 to eight win over uh, Neptune. Yeah. The Falcons and that loss to Tom's river South, you mentioned was only six, nothing. So like they've been in every game. Dan Wendell's done a really nice job over there. They, they've been pretty consistent. Uh, and right now three and one after that 20 to eight win over Neptune, Jalen Harris, a buck 38, two touchdowns on the ground, four tackles for loss on defense. Evan Booth is kind of their jack-of-all-trades guy. 18 tackles, two tackles for loss on defense, so play a little offense. He's their kicker. He's their punter. Like, he dropped a few punts inside the 20. So, uh, you know, Monmouth playing well right now, and, again, the division's wide open. So, anytime you get a win, you just keep yourself in that conversation. Same thing with Tom's River South. You know, they had a bye week zero, didn't debut until week one, lost 42-6 to Homedale. And you're like, look, look, we got we have 42 football teams in the shore. Like sometimes you become an afterthought in certain weeks. And then they turn around um, after, you know, two straight wins now. And they're two and one, 21-14 over Tom's River East. You know, running back Jake Hennahan, their junior, buck 72 on the ground and three touchdowns, a career high for him. So Tom's River South, we're like, yeah, we'll check back with them, you know, in a couple weeks, see what they're doing. Well, a couple weeks have gone by and they're two and one now. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a team that snapped a 10-game losing streak mm-hmm. when they beat Mom at six nothing, but now they've set themselves up as the prime contender with Pinelands, as far as you're talking about teams unbeaten in that division mm-hmm. now that they knocked off Tom's River East. So Matt Martin doing a strong job there to get the Indians in the division title mix. Um, I know I know East thought they had some designs on that. So for South to come out and win the rivalry game uh, was a nice statement for them. And yeah, I mean, on paper right now, you're looking at Pineland South as like the showdown for that game. But again, I feel like East still lurks out there to potentially get in this mix and Mammoth. Like there's other teams that could throw this into like, maybe this ends up being a, a co-champions or tri-champions or that kind of thing. This, now we're, we're the division names are, they're new. They're not That's Liberty the division, A North right? B. Yeah. Yes, that is the Liberty. But it's not, obviously we're not in the old A North, A South, et cetera, divisions. This division has the spirit of the old B South in the sense of like, you don't know what's going to happen week right. to week. But as soon like, as you think you're, you're trying to work out the math, like can all six teams like yes. tie for the title? Yeah. Basically like everyone finished somehow with the exact same record. Like it looking like that, you know, we have Pylons undefeated overall. Pylons and Toms are South still unbeaten within division. But you're right. I, I don't think any of those six teams beating any of the other six would qualify as like shocking. You might be like, oh, like I didn't see that coming, but not nothing gargantuan that that's going to really you know catch you off guard. So this division is probably going to come right down to the very final game on the final Saturday of, of the regular season. It just seems like it's made for that. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it's always gone. It's like, like you said, just circle a game in the final weekend before the playoffs start, and that's probably the game that's like deciding the division title. I mean, obviously, certain teams are hoping it doesn't come to that. You know, they feel like they're going to be the ones. But, I mean, just week to week, 
you look in this division, teams are beating each other by seven points, three points, six points. And that for the most part, I mean, yeah, there's been some double digit wins in there, a few of them, but a lot of these games are like one touchdown games. And so, yeah, that's, that's the margin between first and last. Other games we didn't touch on uh, that we'll just, we'll hit briefly. Uh, number two, RBC, as we mentioned, 46, nothing over number 15 wall. Just, you know, a, a RBC just doing its thing, you know what I mean? Like a collection of running backs combined run for about 250. Manny Ross had another touchdown catch. The defense was dominant, like ho-hum in the sense where it's like, yes, we saw that coming, and RBC moves on <laughs> this week uh, for another game. So uh, a big one, though, for the uh, Casey's. You know, they'll go down the street uh, to Borden Stadium and take on Rumson Fairhaven, a massive rivalry in every single sport. They're also two of the best teams in the Shore Conference. So, yeah, that, there's going to be some fireworks there. The atmosphere will probably be amazing because anytime I've ever covered those two teams playing, you're going to have to park like three towns over. I know. I It's like – or like you're looking at the clock going, okay, the game's in like three hours, but should I leave right now? You know, like it's just one of those things because it's just right in the middle of the town there. There's no parking yet. It's like uh, it's you definitely – the atmosphere there is amazing. And honestly – with Tom's River North going down and losing this week, I'm sure RBC in a way feels like the door's open for us. Rumson has already lost to uh, Tom's River North, so RBC's like, you know, this is not that it wasn't already going to be a big one, but like now we have a chance to go through this division and set up a monster game with Donovan if they can get to that. I mean, it's, there's landmines everywhere in the American division, but I feel like the loss by North amped this game up like even more. Yes. And, you know, Rumson coming off a bye. So two weeks to prepare for RBC. You know, you saw what Donovan was able to do with that extra week to prepare against Tom's River North like that. When you have a big game like that, like that can't hurt, you know, and especially if you have anyone dinged up, you know, get them healthy. So that'll be a massive one Friday night. Uh, going back at more ranked teams, number six point Burrow, 51-13 over Red Bank. Matt Alfont ran for 230 yards, four TDs, and threw a touchdown pass all in the first half. So they got his work. They got his work. Let's say, did he just like hop in the car at halftime and be like, "All right, I'll see you guys yeah. tomorrow." <laughs> He's good. So huge game for him. Panthers come off their bye. They roll. Uh, they play Long Branch this week. Um, number twelve, Brick again doing it in a low scoring affair, but four knows four zero. Twenty one thirteen win over Barnegat. Uh, they had, you know, again, they they just find a way to do it on offense, whether it's some plays through the air, some plays on the ground. They play tough defense, and, you know, that's why they're undefeated. Yeah, I mean, that's been like what Coach Zanowicz told us last week on the Coach's Corner, like that's our backbone. You know, defense is what we do best. And you're right, it might not always be the prettiest result. But like they're the kind of team that could win by 10 points or something. But if you were at the game, you're like, it was never close. Like the yeah. other team never had a shot because their defense was just like marauding them the whole time. So, you know, even though Barnegat was winless, they did some things and it was close for a while. And then, but yeah, they brick by, you know, eight points, but that's the thing. Their whole thing is we don't need to win by a million points. As long as we just keep winning, you just keep stacking up wins. It's, it's not a huge thing. And uh, another team that's, got uh, themselves on a nice roll and they retained the Duke. Yes. Freehold Township, number 16 in our rankings, 21 to seven over rival Freehold Borough. Uh, yeah. After that season opening loss to Middletown North, the Patriots seem like they're uh, rounding into form. Yeah. Nick Cardone, another nice game, um, you know, three touchdown passes, you know, active in the running game as well. Their defense was good and holding down a 
a dangerous free Alberta team. You got to love that there's a rivalry trophy with a name. I think we need some more of that. The Duke is a good one. Yeah. Also a good Lamb of God song for all you metalheads out there. But that's a, that's a different segment. In this this is definitely the first podcast where Lamb of God's ever getting name checked in a football thing. That Hey, look. I'm all for it, by the gotta, way. Got to do it. I'm all for it. <laughs> um, so t- Township, yeah, again, they're, they're playing really well. And they're going to have a chance to make noise in that division. You know, they they play Brick Moral this week. You know, there's some big games because they still have Brick to play. Like, going back to Brick, like, we'll learn a lot more about just how good that defense is because they still have to play Freel Township and Madawan, which is 0-4, but has a lot of dangerous weapons on offense. And then Brick Moral in the regular season finale. So, but in that division between Brick, Brick Moral, Freel Township is still up in the air. So, we're going to we're going to get a good look at, at those three teams and what they can do against each other in these coming weeks. Uh, Holmdale, again, rolling 3-0, 36-0 win over Asbury Park. Their sophomore quarterback, Jack Cannon, you know, threw for two scores, ran for another. You know, Multiple contributors in the running game. Tough defense. That's the blueprint, and they're executing it pretty darn well right now. Yeah, Holmdale off to a great start, and so is Manchester. 45-7 over Kingsburg, 4-0 for the first time ever. Yeah. So, yes, the excellent start continues for the Hawks. When he threw them off the field, I guess it worked. Yeah, Last right. Week. We're, we're like we're like motivational consultants, you know, like, <laughs> like right before you have to talk to us, you just get fired up at your team, send them all home, and then you come back hungry for the game. We just try to serve the motivation any way we can. Uh, two other teams getting their first win this week. Yes, Lacey, 14-10 over Southern in a uh, – an Ocean County slugfest. Uh, and then another one, Lakewood, 22-14 over Point Beach in another tight game. So the Lions and the Piners pick up their first win in the season. Point Beach still looking for its first win. Southern now, after a strong start, has, has come back to 2-2. Two and two, So the Rams will try to turn things around in the coming weeks. So that, that's, that was week three in a nutshell. Again, some huge games led by that Donovan Catholic win over Toms or North that will definitely have – implications in our rankings statewide it's already there's been some a lot of topsy-turvy changes in there the one thing that did come out of that uh you know going through the nj.com top 20 was that there's three teams from the shore ranking state top 10 you know because for all times over north everyone you know oh they lost and you kind of forget about them <laughs> they still beat millville and our top 10 team in the state so right between you know rbc donovan uh times over north you know, you got three juggernauts there. And uh, for for the sake of argument, which what I'm trying to think, who did they put? Oh, they moved up RBC, right? So like, yes. in their rankings, RBC is ahead of Donovan. Yeah. RBC four, Donovan seven. I always find it, it's always, and I've had this conversation with the guys that rank statewide. Like you have to look at it in a different way. You can't look at it the same as the shore rankings. Right. Like it's just, there's different factors in there. So. Well, and I yeah, think it's everyone feeling too again is we had RBC high up mm-hmm. already. We're not going to leapfrog them. Yeah, with Donovan, which I guarantee you, Donovan will take that as a slight because yeah, they'll they'll be motivated, and I think in their mind it's like, well, now we can't wait to face off against RBC if it comes yeah. to that. But the thing with the American division is you can't get ahead of yourself. No. You can't say, oh, that game in three weeks is going to be huge. Like you could get beat between now and then. Like if you're if you're not if you get caught looking ahead. 
that division will absolutely take you down. So like, yeah, you, that's almost the good thing about it. It keeps you focused. Coaches don't have to like worry about your mind wandering to three weeks down the road because you have another game against a really hard team like that week. Yeah, um, you're right. That, that focus is just kind of built into the schedule as you're, you're in trouble. If you're I, you know, I feel like we've talked about all the big upcoming games right now. One other one is yeah. Tom's river North is at home against Middletown South, which has had a buy. And the real question is, you know, is, is Michael Ford in that game? Is he not yeah. uh, Middletown South coming back to full power? Jake's Wakil came back in their last game, didn't mm-hmm. play defense, but like now has had another, had a bye week. And now this time to, you know, get his ankle more healthy, could come back on defense, back at quarterback. So they're kind of starting to be more like the team that they were on paper coming mm-hmm. into the year. Um, and then, yeah, that's a real question. If, if Michael Ford can't go their TJ Valerio is their backup. Mm-hmm. And you know, I could see them using maybe Jeremiah Pruitt in that right. spot just because he's so versatile. He they have had him do that. Um, yeah, you know, they did that a little bit last season, especially in the state final when Ford was really suffering from some major cramps, and they put him in. And, and look, he's an exceptional talent. So they have options there. I'm in, I'm interested in that game where Middletown South. No one needed to buy more than them. You know, they come back healthy if they can get Donovan Sumi back. Also, they're starting tailback. You know, even if they're not completely 100%, just to have everyone on the field is big. And also, like, they had a bye. So they're preparing for Tom's work for two weeks. And while you need the personnel to execute it, you wonder what they can gain from watching the film on what Donovan did. What can they take from that? Obviously, you know, that's an incredible defensive staff. You know, Steve Antonucci, Mark Tomo, their defensive coordinator, Al Bigos on the staff who's seen it all. You know, so those guys are going to have something going whether Ford's there or not, we'll see. That That's a very interesting one, especially if Micah Ford's out. So that's right. Yeah. That can, really that can turn that division. Yeah. And then it's like how much of the playbook gets condensed if Ford is out, you know, that's yes. the other thing, you know, like we really might make it, I wouldn't say easier to defend, but we're, we can't do quite as many things or, you know, that because we just don't have our starter in there, but again, we'll see. And then, you know, if Michael Ford does play, is he at 100%? Is he the Michael Ford that can break a 70-yard mm-hmm. run on any play? Or is he more like like Zwakil had to be against Wall with his ankle the week before where you're, yeah, you're letting him make some plays, but you're, there's certain design runs you're just not calling because you don't want him to take yeah. a hit on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions um, to be answered among that game. And then last one on Saturday, another important one in that Constitution Division, Holmdel at Manasquan. You know, the Hornets undefeated. Manasquan's only losses to Point Burrow. It's out of division. So it, for all intents and purposes, it's two unbeaten division teams squaring off at Vic Caboo Warrior Field. That's a big one. You know, it's a you know what Manasquan is offensively. Holmdell makes no secret about what they want to do. You know, Manasquan's played really good defense most of the year. Even that Point Burrow game, I thought they did really well defensively. You know, that's gonna be that's gonna be a slugfest, I think. That that's one's gonna be like a 21 you know, 2017, something like that. Or actually, Holmdell is one of the more underrated kickers in the shore and Connor Mandini, who's been a, he's a four-year starter. It just seems like every week he's perfect on extra points, kicks the field goals when they need him. That could be another game where, you know, the special teams comes up big. Yeah, and between these two teams, it's the trenches, right? It's which offensive line is moving people off the ball mm-hmm. and getting some creases for these running backs to make plays in. But 
to me, this is, you know, Homedale's real proving ground, right? Because historically, the average person is going to look at that and go, oh, Manasquan at home against mm-hmm. Homedale. Like, they, you know, they'll take command of the division. They'll win this game. This is Homedale to really send a message of like, no, no, this is a different Homedale now. You know, like we'll come into this field where historically we never would win games really um, until maybe recent years, a few here and there. It's like, so to go in there and get a win at that field. And meanwhile, for Manasquan, you already have a win against Shore Regional. So now if you beat this team, you're really in a good spot in that division race. Absolutely. All right, it's time for random stuff as we get ready to wrap this up. I don't really want to talk about the Jets, but if you really want to, we can. Look, they lost to the Cowboys. Wasn't great. Micah Parsons is, was you know, I guess we could say Zaire Day did his best Micah Parsons impersonation. Or is it, no, Mike Consolazio did his best yes. Micah Parsons impersonation. He was everywhere. Jets just couldn't get it going. Hey, we're one and one. If we could beat the Patriots, I'll feel a lot better. If not, we might have to ban Jets talk for a couple weeks. Yeah, I know there's not a whole lot to say other than I am a certified Zach Wilson hater. I yeah, never and- want to see him in another in a Jets unit game ever again in my life. But I think the thing is he's going to get a little bit of a mulligan because, hey, it's the Cowboys defense and they're all over everybody. And like, you know, they embarrassed the Giants the week before. So, you know, let's keep him in. My whole point is, what do the Jets want out of this season? If they want to like make a stealth playoff run or something, they're going to have to go out there and give it a shot with one of these retreads, like a Wentz oh. or Jameis Winston or whoever. I think that terrifies me more. I don't. Zach Wilson to me is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Not one of the worst quarterbacks. <laughs> the actual statistically worst quarterback in the NFL. So if you're going to roll him out there every week, you're giving up on the season. Like Aaron Rodgers is talking about, I got this innovative surgery and I could be back in you know January. Why? For when the Jets are two and thirteen, you're going to come to the rescue? Like no. My false hope was like wait, maybe they kept Tim Boyle to, like, harvest body parts for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like, that was, like, only, like, wait a second. Like, why is Tim Boyle still on the practice squad? Like, why is Tim Boyle on crutches? Yeah. Like, I don't even remember him. <laughs> yeah. What happened to Tim Boyle? Wait, is that Aaron Rodgers running out of the tunnel? Why does his leg look different? Like, these are, this is what happens when you're a Jets fan. This yeah. is where your mind goes. So, yeah. We should we will spare the audience. Yeah, there's no the there's nothing else really to say about that. I will say though, Saturday night was a great sports night because I was watching UFC. We had the Shevchenko Grasso yes. title fight, which was actually really good. I thought Grasso won, but it was a draw. But then you just roll right from that into Colorado, Colorado State, which was complete madness. First of all, that was one of the dirtiest games I've seen in a while. Both yeah. teams were like hitting after the whistle. We saw Travis Hunter get like laid out on a cheap shot and he's out for like three or four games now for Colorado but that rivalry obviously has been pretty limp the last couple of years like you're not really paying attention to it because neither of those teams were that good but man that was a while and then for Shadur Sanders to drive 98 yards with a minute and change and no timeouts to to tie that game was incredible that's what I take out of that game is Shadur Sanders is really good like he he's a legitimate you know, player who, look, given his pedigree, it's hard not to think that he has a good chance to, you know, be an NFL player when that time comes around. He's played awesome so far. Colorado's not, they're ranked now. Like, what will their record be at the end? I mean, we'll see. There's some big games coming up. They play Oregon this week. Dion even said it himself, you know, like, I'd probably need like six or seven more like dudes for this thing where we're a real problem. But the fact that they were one and what one of the eleven last year, yeah, 
and are now, you know, undefeated and ranked. Like that's, that's an incredible turnaround. You're like, I know in the day of the transfer portal, you can do that much quicker than in the past. It's still incredibly impressive. And well, it's incredible to get the chemistry uh, when you have yes. that many new guys, but that team all seems to be pulling in the same direction. You know, there's not a lot, there's not dissension yeah. or anything like that. You know, it did bring a lot of those guys from Jackson state, including coaches as well. So I imagine we must, is- we must note that coach prime has offered Jalen Matthews, Yes. Uh, Tom's River North, the junior lineman, mm-hmm. decommitted from Penn State, and then about six hours later, noted that he had just gotten an offer from Colorado. So hey, I get it. Yeah, that's the kind of effect that's going on right now. Yeah, and you're fighting Irish kept going on, and they didn't cover 35 points, which was nice. This is a weird game to watch. It was like it was frustrating. Like they kept scoring, pulling away, and it was like this is kind of an ugly game. The nice thing though, from for me as a as a longtime Notre Dame fan is like we we haven't had a quarterback this consistent this reliable really since Brady Quinn and Sam Harton's just like yeah like I got it like I'm just gonna do everything that I'm supposed to do it's so funny to see him like running a normal offense and not that weird slow down mesh that they were running at where he would like tippy toe up to the (laughs) line line and stand there it's like, oh, that's right. He can be like a normal quarterback. He doesn't have to like do that completely bizarre thing that like really no other teams run. But uh, yeah, yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, that that Colorado game, and then I think the only other game that really kind of shocked me was how bad Alabama looked. Like their quarterbacks are very like, weird. Well, Tyler Buchner, former Notre Dame quarterback, yeah, uh, it looks like it looks like the Irish made the right call going into the transfer yeah. portal and, and getting Sam Hartman. So. Yeah. There's that game. There's a couple of weird ones like Florida State had to survive against Boston College. Yeah, how about Missouri? Like a 61 yard yeah. field goal from like the local kid who they call the thicker kicker. The thicker and kicker, he, yeah. Like they had it was originally a 55 yard or 56. There was like dispute of like, well, did they mess up and like not realize that like a timeout wasn't called and get a delay of the game? Then I read, like, no, they actually were thought about, like, going for it, and they changed their mind. But in any event, it ended up being an upset over the number 15 team in the country. So that was wild to see. Like, that's just every week college football. That's what makes it so fun and exciting because there's so many teams, and you're going to get at least one insane result. Yeah, and speaking of college football, I'll put in one book plug here, and I usually try to go back and read it every year. It came out in 2016. It's called The Perfect Pass by S.C. Gwynn, who's like a former writer at Texas Monthly, tremendous writer. And it's about the origins of the air raid. Hal Mummy coaching in high school in Texas at like this team that was absolutely terrible. And at the time, I think it was like late 80s, like early 90s, he decides we're just going to throw the ball like 50 times a game and turn this team into like a powerhouse. And then he paired up with Mike Leach. They went up to Iowa Wesley in like this yeah, NAIA score. The backstory is incredible for that. In the middle of nowhere, you know, totally innovating football in this, like, I, I, I'm i a sucker for, like, these stories about small colleges that are, like, incubating these ideas mm-hmm. that then bubble up and become, yeah. like, part of major college football in the NFL. And that book, it explains it great. It has all the stories. You'll recognize so many names in there because the Leach coaching tree, the Lincoln Rileys and all these guys, like, they're at, like, every school now um a lot of the top programs in the country but just reading how kind of these renegade coaches went against all the orthodox of the time was like you run the ball you never pass unless you have to you know or you, you know throwing the ball 20 times is a lot not like 
45 or 50. And then, you know, obviously it culminated in Leach going to Texas Tech and they were became one of the top teams in the country that one year. But yeah, highly recommend the perfect pass for anybody who loves football. And you see the air raid as part of pretty much everything. Locally, Corey Davies of Freehold yes. Township is the prime uh, air raid devotee of uh, Leach and a lot of And I believe he like he went to multiple like Mike Leach led clinics. Yep. You know, I'll have to check in with Corey on and that. And you and I totally positive. remember it took the Shore Conference by storm when he installed it in Howell in the mid-2000s. Yeah, and this is like right before I really started covering the Shore and Ernst, I was still in college. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Howell run like the triple option? Like yeah, I think three? so. So like yes. talk about going from one end of the spectrum to the complete other. Yeah, I remember that because they had like three, four wide receivers that could all catch from a great route runners. And the, at that time, no one had adjusted no one had secondaries that could handle that. Right. If you're an accurate quarterback, like it was a bad day for you. Like teams hated playing them. And slowly teams more, you know, run more of those concepts, even if they're not an outright air raid team. Like Freel Township isn't even outright air raid anymore. They're spread, right. but it's not, you know, sit back and do that anymore. But yeah, that stuff's fascinating. It, my last thought on that reminds me of some stories I've read, similar things, similar concepts, maybe not whole offensive schemes, but Things coming out of those like six man football leagues you see in like Texas and you know the Dakotas where there's like those super small schools. That's always interesting. I did see on on Twitter there was an instance in a six man football game in Texas. The extra point went through. There's no netting. I was in high school. Went through and there's a car driving the park out right through the car window as the car is driving. So that was a pretty funny thing to see from the weekend, but that's like, yeah. uh, what is it? That's like the field at Keensburg. They kick the ball. It goes into the woods. Yes. <laughs> I was at a game one time and a little kid ran into the woods, picked the ball up and then just took off with it. Like that's into the it. woods. And like they were fan. like, I think it was the opposing team's game ball. So they were like, oh. like, I'm like, that's our ball. And the kid just absolutely split with it. Like just got myself a new ball. It was hilarious. It's like Pete Alonzo chucking the guy's first career like hit into the crowd. Like, no, what are you telling like, me? We need that back. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's that'll do it for us. Wrapping up week three, looking ahead to week four. Should be a fun, uh, you know, fun other week of short conference football. We'll have plenty to talk about uh when we come back next week. So for Scott Stump, I'm Bob Batters. Thanks for listening to the Shore Sports Network podcast. We'll be back again next week.